Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is the podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Beko and my partner, Hari. Hello. Hello, everyone. How are you, Hari? Pretty good. Uh, but I hope everyone has been able to stay safe uh, through through these trying times. Very much so, yes. Um, today, in this episode, we are going to take some questions. Um, some of these questions came to us through email and through comments on YouTube. And, you know, just, you know, our acquaintances also sent us a few questions. In this episode, we will specifically talk about why EBITDA, we've been talking about this from day one, why EBITDA is not the good. We should, you should never use EBITDA as, as a way to measure anything. So we'll talk about that in detail. Before we do, Hari, start us off with a disclaimer, please. Yeah, this is the Value Investor TV podcast. We are a podcast that helps you understand the concepts behind value investing. We are not financial advisors and we don't know your specific financial situation. So please consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment decisions. Excellent. Okay, so just to touch on some housekeeping items before we start. Again, like I said, this episode is, uh, you know, we sometimes do these sort of episodes where we ask, uh, where we field questions. Uh, and again, this question came from our YouTube comment section. So if you guys have any questions, f feel free to drop them in our comment section. Also, you can email us at info at valueinvestor.org. Also, uh, if you guys would like to be part of our Slack community, you know, we have our Slack community where you guys can talk to us directly, ask questions directly, and also engage with each other. Uh, you can uh, you can email us at info at valueinvestor.org and we'll, we can set you up there as well. Okay. Hari, why should you never use EBITDA? Well, before we do that, what is EBITDA? Let's start there. Yeah, so, <clears throat> you know, you may be familiar with um, EBIT. You know, we've talked about that before, but... Um, it is earnings before interest and taxes. So, you know, it, depending on who you ask, that's also considered operating income. Um, but EBIT essentially takes into account the expenses that are depreciation and amortization. So depreciation, for those of you who are not familiar, are if you buy an asset that is lasting longer than a year, um, that asset gets quote unquote used up over time. Okay, so that that when that asset gets used up, it depreciates. So imagine if you buy a car, um, you know, the useful life of a car is, let's say, for the sake of argument is 10 years. So if you pay, you know, if you buy a car for $10,000 uh, in investing terms, you would depreciate that car over that 10 year period, you know, roughly, you know, if it's straight line, that means it would be $1,000 every year. Um, sometimes they have an accelerated depreciation where the first few years it depreciates more and then it decreases over time. But essentially, after that t period has occurred, um, that asset is, you know, is on the books as zero dollars, right? It, it, it is no longer considered an asset. So where this is important is lots of businesses that have assets that are uh, purchased a long time ago. Think of Macy's that has um, Herald Square in New York. Um, you know, that that business is probably worth or that land is probably worth, well, probably pre-COVID was worth, you know, a billion dollars. Um, so when it depreciates, the value is is still there. It doesn't mean that it's not, you know, somebody will pay you zero dollars for it. But 
um, you get, you know, it gets used up uh, over time. Uh, the other expense is uh, amortization. So amortization is the asset value of a property, um, you know, that is uh, an intangible, um, it, it, it's a following basically the same kind of principle as depreciation. Uh, one notable example of that is, uh, you know, Netflix creates content um, and then they have to amortize the expenses of that content over uh, I think it's a two or three year period. So imagine if Netflix makes a TV show or a movie, the vast majority of the views for that are going to be early in the, the, you know, the first month, the first two weeks, et cetera. And then after that, it kind of trails. That doesn't mean that the people aren't watching it later and that the asset doesn't have value. Uh, but most of the value is, is derived early on in the, the process. So all that being said, you know, when companies purchase assets, you know, a lot of people say, oh, tech companies don't have assets that they need to purchase, you know, that they don't matter. Um, but imagine a company like Google, they buy servers. Servers are physical assets. Uh, a server does not last, you know, forever. It takes, you know, three to five years before it becomes obsolete or it fails, you know, outright because of, you know, the hardware is no longer uh, functional. Um, and so there is a there is a depreciation that goes along with that. So why this is so important is that when you take into account depreciation and amortization, because they are actual real expenses, you are more reflecting what is what is reality of that business. So essentially, when you look at free cash flow, right, which is what Becco and I have hammered on from day one. Free cash flow is the the money that the owner will actually get at the end of the day, right? You can take that money out of the business and it's not going to impact the day-to-day -day operations of the business. The problem with, with free cash flow is that it may be lumpy, right? Because one year you may have more expense, capital expenditures and another year you may have less. Um, but it But it's cash. So you can actually see what is coming in and out of the business. The, the real problem is that when you start looking at businesses that have, you know, they are trying to estimate what the cash looks like for the business by calling it EBITDA, you know, the free cash flow. And they're using this because they're saying, oh, depreciation is equal to the capital expenditures, which in a large business that's relatively stable, that is actually, you know, most likely to be true. But that doesn't mean that it's actually accurate in all instances, right? So free cash flow has its has its limitations because of the lumpiness factor. So one year free cash flow may be looking really good because they didn't ex have a lot of expenses, and one year it may look really bad uh, because they had a lot of expenditures. So EBITDA is to try and smooth that out because depreciation is is expensed over multiple years. So let's take an example to you know because if that doesn't help, well first of all Becco. Do you have any comments before I, I go to the example? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So again, starting off with sort of the definition, EBITDA. Okay, let's let's just spell that out. E-B-I-T-D-A. And sometimes yep. people use E-B-I-T, EBIT. And then DA, D-A, is, is what we were talking about, what we have problem with, really. EBIT, I don't think there's any problem with using EBIT, EBIT. And we'll talk about that in the later part of the episode. But the problem here is the D-A part, E-B-I-T. I T D A D A depreciation amortization, and to Hari's comment, depreciation amortization follow a very similar scheme. 
in that it is depreci- it is it is how in the accounting world we take into account general the natural the natural progress of of things aging like if you buy a car it's going to age it's going to be used so we need to make sure that the amount that you, you use that vehicle gets depreci- depreciated at the right amount so that you don't book that at the at the, the amount that you purchased it right same thing for amortization um, so again just to recap this at the higher level ebda E-B-I-T-D-A. We have the, what we're saying is we have we have problem with people using EBITDA as as the method of calculating the earnings earnings power earnings growth. Right. So um, let's look at an example, and maybe this will help uh, solidify this. Um, mm-hmm. So when you look at an example of um, a business, let's take a tech company. So a, a lot of their expenses are people, right? And so EBIT. And EBITDA, if they're purely a software business that has no hardware expense, no anything, EBIT and EBITDA would be very similar, um, right? Because they're going to depreciate maybe their office building or a couple of things here and there, but that's really not going to affect the the you know the actual day to day operations, right? Yeah, just just to just to clarify, and why that is is because depreciation applies to actual hard assets, right? Yeah, like we talked about vehicles or buildings. So again, as in, in the example of software companies, they're, you know, if they're purely a software company, they do not own any real estate. They're not going to have any depreciation. To, they're not going to have any asset to depreciate off of. Right. So just wanted to clarify that point. Yeah, and if if you look at software companies, there are a lot of companies like that, but they still have some physical assets, but they're very small and they don't really determine the outcome of the business. Right. Um, yep. Now now compare that to a company that is a is a tech company like. Um, Google or Amazon's uh, uh, Elastic Cloud, right? So, you know, the EC2 has a, um, you know, has a very large physical footprint, right? They ha- they get these large warehouses. Um, the warehouse itself has, you know, you know, these, ser- you know, racks and racks and racks of servers. Um, and these servers have, you know, a three to five year lifespan, right? So let's imagine, I'm going to simplify this as much as I can, you know, to, to, to talk about it, but imagine that you have a, uh, you know, you pay, let's say a hundred dollars for, uh, this data center, right. And, and we're going to depreciate everything over a 10 year period, uh, or, uh, yeah, a 10 year period. So let's say that the, the asset itself generates $20 a year. Uh, I'm sorry, a hundred dollars a year in revenue. And it generates $20 a year in um, in profit, I'm sorry, in operating income. Okay. So when we look at operating income at that point, we've actually taken out the depreciation, right? So we have a hundred dollar asset that's worth, that's lasts over 10 years. It's going to depreciate $10 per year, uh, during that time. We're using this straight line method. So I'm just trying to make this as simple as we can, right? So if you look at the company, with EBIT, right? We said EBIT was, you know, was 20, right? But the depreciation part of that is actually $10, right? Because we we have had that. So when you look at their EBITDA, it's actually 30, right? Now, so that discrepancy there kind of, kind of highlights where the $100 purchase is being expensed over 
some period of time, right? They're the and that expense is that they actually have to replace 10% of the data center every year, right? And so that expense is what you're seeing in the depreciation. Now, they may not actually buy 10% of the data center every year, right? Because, you know, a server may last two years instead of one year or, you know, or something that was supposed to last three years died within a year, right? So the depreciation is there to help the reader understand what the expenses are over a period of time, right? So when you look at the free cash flow, you actually go in and add. So we, we said that the net income here was $20, right? For our purposes, there's no interest, there's no taxes. So the net income is $20. You add back the depreciation, right? So now in your cash flow line, you're going to say $30. So that matches the EBITDA, right? But the expense here is also the capital expense that you have to pay the $10 to maintain your your business, right? So when you look at it that way, your EBITDA is $10, you know, is, is 50% better than your free cash flow, right? Because your free cash flow, the capital expense is still going out to replace, you know, and maintain your business. So, so this is why there is a discrepancy with EBITDA and EBIT and free cash flow. And that's why it's super important to why we always say when we when we show you the checklist and look at it is you have to explain and understand what the business does before you can look at the financials and have the context around it. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to play a devil's advocate here and say, what is so wrong with using EBIT when you can, when it actually, let's say if depreciation and capital expense in the long term over you know, over 10 years actually matches up mm-hmm. to sustain the business let's just say then at that point what is so wrong about actually using ebit to just kind of get a rough kind of smooth line like you said you're 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 saying cash flow is very zigzaggy if you use ebit ebitda rather sorry ebitda and and assume that the depreciation gets you know, gets uh, depreciation gets uh, gets recouped basically using capex. If you use EBITDA, it kind of smooth things out. What is so wrong about that? About 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 using that? Well, so if, so if it is a way to smooth things out, because you know, one of the things that we always talk about in this podcast is that you have to use multi year multi year numbers, right? And by by using multi year numbers, we're sort of doing that as well. We're sort of trying to hide or not hide, but sort of smooth out any you know, any sort of like one-time expense sort of thing. Right. So the, the thing about EBITDA is that it never takes into account the depreciation expense, right? So in the free cash flow side, we take it in the CapEx, right? Uh, so that means that depreciation is added back in, but it's spent in the capital expenditure. And on the EBIT side, right? So that that it takes into account depreciation as the expense, right? So I would argue that EBITDA... The difference between EBITDA and EBIT and cash flow, right? So we're putting EBIT and cash flow in one bucket and EBITDA in the other bucket is that EBITDA never takes into account depreciation. And and EBIT and free cash flow do take into account depreciation, which are real expenses. So if you want to use EBIT, if you want to use free cash flow, I would recommend using both, to be honest with you you know, in various different circumstances, which we can talk about at a different time. 
but there's actually no value in ever using EBITDA, right? Which is why Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, and all all the you know hardcore value investors never you know they always say that it's a BS number, right? And the reason for that is that it really is, right? Depreciation is an actual expense. It does matter, and it it is not accounted for in any shape or form when you use when you you know when you report it, right? And you know, and we talked about a company, and I've forgotten which one, but they they've even made up a further letter. You know, there's an EBIT, EBITDA LMNOP, right? Where they're just going to start before a bunch of other letters, right? So like, you know, we're soon we're going to just have a EBIT with EBITDA, which you know you essentially will equal to revenue, right? Because people are just going to take away all of the expenses, and it's going to. You know, and then soon it's going to be well theoretical revenue that we even ha- don't even have yet will be added there. So projection, yeah. So yeah. I, I, the the point I'm trying to make here is that when people tell you that they're basing it on EBITDA or they're basing it on something, then what that tells you is that they are hiding something, whether it's intentional or or just they're following the crowd in terms of how things are reported. I, I can't say for sure, but what I would say is if you ever hear that, then you need to dig in and say, one, I don't care what that EBITDA number is. I want to look at the actual EBIT and I want to look at the free cash flow. Mm-hmm. So I think for the remainder of the conversation, I think we should talk about why we use EBIT to discuss the earnings power for various companies and why EBIT is actually a powerful metric to compare uh, different companies. Can you talk a little bit, a little bit about that, Hari? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the main thing here is that EBIT is the value of EBIT is that it takes into account. Um, it doesn't, you know, it, you're comparing an apples to apples comparison because companies have different tax structures and they have different debt structures. So, the debt is accounted for before interest, and the T is the taxes there. So when you when you take those things out, you can compare them. Now, these are I'm I'm not discounting these. These are actual expenses, right? But if you want to compare apples to apples, because let's say you're purchasing this business. Let's say the business has $500 million in debt and has $500 billion market cap, right? Well, then the enterprise value is the sum of those two, the $1 billion. So let's say you walked in and you, you, you purchased the thing outright for a billion dollars and paid off the debt, right? In all in one fail swoop. The EBIT number would tell you what your your you know income would be um, it, cause then you could then move it to a tax, a lower tax jurisdiction, right? If you wanted to save even more money, right? So that's, that's kind of the, the, the benefit there. Um, yeah, that's go ahead. Yeah. Just, just going back to the letters, right? Earnings before interest and tax. Yeah. So we are adding back interest and tax. What that allows us to do is compare companies that have different tax ramification because they operate in different countries, for example, it also allows us to kind of um, ignore uh, tax ramification, you know, for the sake of comparison. Yeah, and, and, and let's... What, it, what it allows us, what it allows us to do is compare basically companies that have different tax structure and then also capital structure because of tax or interest ramification. It allows us to compare those two. Yeah, and apples w- to apple comparison. One thing is that when the U.S. government changes the tax code and companies pay less in taxes, EBIT doesn't change. And that allows you to see how did they actually perform without, you know, and and now when you actually look at it, the EPS number is almost nonsense because if a company owns stock in another business um, and that market 
price fluctuates, they have to take that as an expense, which basically means now you're seeing a bunch of non-GAAP EPSs. Um, you know, so when Berkshire Hathaway, which has a very large portfolio, reports earnings, their earnings are almost meaningful, meaningless, you know, year over year because their t their stock portfolio changes. So, um, so EBIT it really is now the the number to use, right, along with free cash flow. I'm going to take a counter position and say, if you think that depreciation amortization is important to consider, then why is it why is it that we can ignore uh, using EBIT the capital structure and interest? So you have to you have to keep thinking in in terms of the 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 um, the capital structure matters because you can change the debt with with by paying it off. Right, and that's the that's the purpose of this is that debt doesn't matter here. If you can remove the debt from the 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 equation by just paying for it, um, you know it's still reflected in the enterprise value, and that's why you see companies that use a price to earnings ratio of enterprise value to EBIT, right? Which is actually a better estimate of how much money the company is making than a heavily debt laden company which has a you know has PE. So, um, mm -hmm. so. Um, I also just want to just add really quick that you can also look at, you know, if, if you're concerned about debt, there are other things that you have to look at, right? It's not just EBIT that you you can focus on. EBIT is only one part of, EBIT is only one part of the whole equation. Right. So just to keep that in mind when you're digging through this. Yep. Okay. Sounds good. Um, anything else you want to talk about, Hari, before we move on to the next episode? Uh, no, I mean, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, we're, you know, this, this topic came from a listener request and, you know, if you have want us to cover anything, um, or answer, you know, have us answer questions, uh, you know, please, you, you know, reach out to us info at valueinvestor.org or get on our Slack channel. Um, you can get an invite also at info at valueinvestor.org. Uh, we are happy to, um, you know, talk to you guys as much as we can. And Slack is, is a really good way for us to all communicate. So, uh, you know, join our community. There's, you know, lots of other folks there and you know it's a good place to learn so yep sounds good all right thanks guys for listening i'll see you guys in the next episode thanks